Five points. Paradise Square. Streets here are always lively of an evening. Who are the gangs around now? We've got the Daybreak Boys and the Swamp Angels. They work the river looting ships. The Frog Hollow Shanghai sailors down around the bloody angle. Shirt Tales was rough for a while, but they become a bunch of Jack Rolling dandies, lolling around Murderer's Alley looking like Chinamen. Hello and welcome to this interesting edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined as always by Chapin Hemingway and Lee Carlo. Today we are doing a, uh, what is it, 20 year? 20 year? Yeah. Jesus Christ, we're fucking old. Um we're, we're going to be reviewing Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. So, guys, I want to do a little experiment on this one. I want to try to, if you can, if you can just take away... I know you've been preparing and you have all the thoughts on Gangs of New York, but just, like, take them all away. I want it, like, a quick... 30-second review of Gangs of New York as if it was the minute before you rewatched it. And then let's do our actual review of Gangs of New York. And I want to see where it compares and contrasts. And I I will join you on this. All right. Um, So Gangs of New York is a... Um, overpriced, bloated movie with an absolute powerhouse performance that saves it, but probably too many flaws to really make it worth recommending. Do you have any like specifics of like uh, performances you didn't like? Or I mean, Cameron Diaz was. Miscast. This is, we're talking about um, original original thoughts here. Cameron Diaz was miscast and and really hurt the movie, not just in her miscasting, but in her performance and how that storyline played out. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I have mixed feelings on his performance. You know, we've just seen him so good, but most of that has come after this movie. So it's again, it's, this is all to just pretend nothing after happened this is just your review when you first saw it okay yeah so leonardo dicaprio is you don't know what leo did after this right um so leonardo dicaprio is fine but doesn't really stand up to what daniel day lewis does uh with this role as bill the butcher and honestly while it's a hard movie to recommend it, it is nearly worth watching for his performance but it's a tough one to recommend overall <clears throat> yeah, I would say it's a bit of a mess. I'm not really sure what the movie was about. Um, <clears throat> I did not like Leonardo DiCaprio. Was not crazy about Cameron Diaz, but agree that uh, Daniel Day Lewis is a powerhouse performance, and um, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But it was quite disappointing. Yeah, I uh, walked away from this movie thinking Daniel Day Lewis is the best actor ever alive, and li- I'm. St- 
not impressed with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's fine. Like he, he serves the story, but doesn't really do anything interesting. And Cameron Diaz is miscast in this. And this is sort of a bloated film. Um, about a time period I don't really care about. And end scene. Maybe just back up now, a, a little current. bit from the from the mic a little bit. There you go. All right. So that all being said, that's how we felt. How many ever years ago? When when is the last time you guys saw this movie? Been a while. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I own it on regular DVD. I haven't watched a regular DVD in a long time, so it's pro- it's been at least that amount. It's at least since Blu-rays were available. Well, I'll kick it off. I thought Cameron Diaz was fine in it. She didn't distract at all. I agree. I thought she was totally... Yeah. I don't understand the, the backlash on her from before. Uh, there was a moment where she all of a sudden had an accent, but I don't think that was necessarily her fault. And an accent does not make a performance necessarily bad. The emotion of it is fine. Um, so we're, we're starting with Cameron Diaz on this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no. I still think she's miscast. I mean, okay, I disagree though. That's but, what I'm saying. It's like I totally disagree with my own sentiments on this. So I'll start it off with that. You can leave. You can go somewhere else if you don't want to go there. I mean, I still don't like Cameron Diaz in this movie. I felt similarly about Leonardo DiCaprio, but it now it's for a different reason, kind of like I hinted at before. It's just like we know how good he can be, and he's not that here. Um, Wait, this is how you feel now? You don't. This is how I feel good? now. So it's I, not no different. Well, no, about DiCaprio. The movie I thought was better than I remembered. I still am not entirely sure what it's about or what I'm supposed to be focusing on specifically. I think that's its biggest problem. There's kind of two competing stories here that are pretty interesting, but not fully fleshed out. And they're like competing with each other. And I don't know what I'm supposed to focus on. So, so describe those stories. Amsterdam Valen, Leonardo DiCaprio's sort of, um, revenge journey, uh, against Bill the Butcher who killed his, father played by Liam Neeson in the opening scene and you know there's some absence of I don't want to say motivation but character development in Amsterdam that leads to me questioning a lot of his decisions and you know is a bit of a problem with that storyline then you also kind of have the history of New York and I you know I couldn't help but think about this as a comparison piece to 25th hour and Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese both being New Yorkers and making their first post 9-11 movie and trying well, to find a way well, to... Well, that's not fair. He made this pre-9-11. Did he? Yes. <clears throat> it, yes. He, edited, it, it, he edited it during when it happened. So that's why the Twin Towers were still up in that end scene. Well, I had made the assumption that he, it, he felt like it might have been in bad taste or too soon to do another shot after that. But anyway, yeah, but it was, it was filmed before nine 11. I think regardless, this is a, this is a bit of a love letter to the city, um, in its history, which in many ways I find interesting. I, you know, this is sort of a piece of New York history that is not 
well advertised. Um, this is a fucking wild piece of New York history. Like, this is so crazy to me. Like, it's so hard. Like, I have a hard, I have an easier time relating to like a Game of Thrones than I <laughs> yeah. do to like the fire department coming yeah. in and burning down. Like, like I just, I it was such, it's such a hard thing for me to conceptualize in America that this. Like, it seems like a it's a completely different world. This might as well have been doomed to me. And I think that's interesting, except that what does it have to do with Leo's journey here and Leo's revenge of Daniel De- to Daniel Day-Lewis? Like, well, I mean, I think I think part of it is like. <laughs> Here's the issue. Here's the issue. It's like there's so much death and destruction and violence that his journey becomes less significant because you don't, you're just expecting the worst of it. Like it's kind of weird that they let him get as far as he did and that there was, (laughs) there was any sort of empathy from Bill or anybody else to, to keep him alive like the amount of times he says he hates the irish and then it's like fine with you know like it seemed uneven there was no real sense of what what's what the barometer was Guys, I feel like this has got the energy level of this podcast has got to be brought up. This is a big one for us. So here's well, then go ahead. I think you're right. I think there's there are. I think the big problem with this movie is there. He wants to do two things. He wants to tell this story of Amsterdam Valen and this revenge story set amongst the this time period in New York, which is a very interesting time. Um, But they named the movie Gangs in New York. So they have to have it about be about the gangs, even though it's not really about the gangs. It sort of takes place amongst the gangs. But we get like half an hour of exposition about um, about this gang is this and this gang is that and this gang is this. Yeah. It never matters. It never right. matters. They They get in the gang and then they leave and then they're part of Bill's kind of conglomerate of people. And then it's not about that. And and he also wants to tell the story of like what New York was like at this time and in, in, in during the Civil War, and he literally cuts out of this story as it's happening to tell us about something that's in no way related to the movie. For example, I, I this is you know I don't really usually take notes while I'm watching, but I had to take notes this time. Um, they're doing the bodies robbery. Uh, they're they're doing the robbery of the ship right where they eventually steal the guy's body and sell it. And as they're getting out there, he cuts to something about the Irish coming back off the boat to, to New York. And then that has nothing to do with the bodies robbery and then brings it back to that. And it's like, he does that several times throughout this movie and it makes no sense. It has nothing to do with the story of Amsterdam Valen and Bill the Butcher. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely very disjointed. But also, like, super weird in a way that makes it very interesting. Like, really? Like I said before, well, what's weird is just the life that, like, this this whole life that was New York in that time period during the Civil War is nothing like you've ever heard in the history books. And I think that's what Scorsese was sort of 
interested in was telling like the life of that story and he did such a great job of his set design and uh, you know his wardrobe yeah, and he all fell in, the, he fell in like, love with just, that set because he shot the shit like, out of it. It, it, it it's it's amazing i mean it is amazing and it brings you to that whatever that point is but you're right Chapin. and like the story itself was was less about what it should have been amsterdam and bill uh and the revenge and more about like what new york was like at that time um so i feel the opposite get rid of the amsterdam and bill story story well get rid of I mean, one keep, of them I, it, keep keep bill well, in the well, movie well like, either way it's you don't like, need the revenge story like make this be about the gangs like i i don't know like you can incorporate that into the history of new york in this time period and the politics and the draft and all that so much easier than clearly you can in, uh, insert the revenge story like it just doesn't make it, it's they're just two completely different stories that don't necessarily have anything to do with each other and it's not the first time that that's happened and it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie is unsuccessful, but we're never given really a clear direction about which one we're supposed to be engaging in. And I think by, by default, because it's Leonardo DiCaprio, we follow him, but Amsterdam is a boring fucking character. Like you don't know I don't think anything about him. I don't think he's boring. I just, I think it's What do we not... know about him? What do we know about him? Like his father died and then we <laughs> flash forward like uninteresting against Bill years. the Butcher. So, so I do I think that that is a problem and maybe we maybe we get to it now but like just no and it, on one hand it works for the character of Bill in that he is such a presence Daniel Day-Lewis. Every scene he just dominates the frame like I have maybe never seen before. But right, that is, is also detrimental. We, we don't have to answer it now, but like, I want I want you to compare this performance versus "There Will Be Blood." Go we, I mean, we, I have I have do, my answer, but it's "There Will Be Blood" is my. Oh, we're waiting. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, but it it's detrimental to everybody else. Like, nobody can stand up to him in this in their performances in this movie right but isn't that part of his character so that's what i mean i think it works for bill but i don't think it worked and maybe it's okay for the movie but it hurts every other performance to a certain extent and like it makes everybody else less interesting i I don't know that i agree with that but yeah i i mean i don't find anybody really all that interesting in this movie other than Daniel Day Lewis, I, I like uh, I liked uh, Leo a lot more this this time around than yeah. he's previous. fine. I just think Amsterdam is just a a, a thin character. I, you don't understand totally why he makes the decisions he makes. Why does he wait? Why does he like what what is driving his decision making? Doesn't make any sense. What is that? This is a nice just, setup. Just some food because oh. I haven't eaten oh, yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. I I agree with you, Lee, and I think that was that was part of the reason I didn't like that DiCaprio performance. I agree with um, Jeremy though that I think it's I I like his performance. I like Cameron Diaz's performance too. Uh, I don't think either of them are given a lot to do. Like, um, and I mean, guys, like, uh, why why couldn't this have been Goodfellas? 
nine, you know, eighteen sixty one. It's just trying to do too much. It's the it's like Goodfellas is as wild and as kind of like broad as it is in terms of painting a picture of of mafia life in that era. It's we follow Henry Hill. We have no questions from start to finish about what we're supposed to be paying attention to. The rest is on the periphery. This is the that's the world that Henry Hill is living through. Here it's like I don't know how many other ways can we say it. What are we supposed to? What's what's the more important story being told here? Okay, but okay, but okay. Let's 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 take a step back. You're more interested in the gangs, the sort of civil war, the you know this this sort of like war in downtown New York going on while you know Lincoln and everyone is fighting the civil war and those two kind of clashing and eventually coming to a head at the end of the movie. <clears throat> What, then how do you tell that story? I mean, because obviously when they were writing this, they thought, well, we'll tell this revenge story and it will illustrate, you know, we'll tell it through the lens of this time period. And, but I mean, instead of, again, this is something we try not to do, but instead of Amsterdam coming back and like befriending or like kind of becoming loyal to Bill the Butcher, why doesn't why doesn't he return and immediately try to like reinvigorate the Dead Rabbits gang and gather other gangs and like we learn like okay which gang is loyal to this person and this person and like we have that story in the midst of all of this while politics and you know Boss Tweed is trying to like corral everybody to make sure they vote for the right person while meanwhile these gangs are just like loose cannons like why yeah, not do I that think, I think what you're saying Lee is like this this movie had a uh, uh, unfortunately, like sort of narrowed down on a couple characters, whereas it should have expanded a little bit. Yeah, sure. Like, um, Kara Seymour is not that like she's a big name or a recognizable face, but she's got this like ridiculous character she plays called Hellcat Maggie that's got like fangs and claws and stuff, and like. She's in the opening scene, then she disappears for two and a half hours, and then she's back at the end again. Like, no, why she, are we not like she's in there? She get, she gives an ear yeah, so she can have a yeah. one of those all sorts, which is oh, I was I, I, I that's what I had to start drinking at your wedding when I got cut off, Lee. So uh, yeah. I'm used to that, but I didn't have to pay an ear for it. But like, you have characters like that. You've got you know Elliot from ET, and you've got Brandon Gleason, and like you spend some time learning about these guys, but like what happened with Brendan Gleeson? Like he goes from this, this guy that just is like killing and making marks on his clubs to like this, the best candidate for, for politics. But that's the thing about this time. Where is this? That's the thing, Lee, like this, that's what weirded me out most about this movie. So tell more of that. Yeah. So tell, but tell more of that. United States of America and how insane it must've been to live through that. Yeah, and I just wish that it focused more on that. And it was, I don't like, know. It really that's what hit me the hardest on this is just the time period and how wild that was and how absolutely un unruly it was to live in New York at that and don't, time period. So don't you want some War. more? So don't you want some more structure to that? Yeah, no, I agree I with that. I agree. But I think it does that well. I think it it shows you that well. It does, but it's just it's chaos. 
like which it is but chaos, it was but, chaos but fi- but from a filmmaking perspective it's chaotic it's it's it needs to be reined in it needs to be like it needs to decide that this is the story that it's telling instead we just keep going off on these tangents to amsterdam valen and so on and so forth like there are some like really like great scenes with all like when brendan gleason is killed it's surprising it shows you how like violent and like how like is inconsequential the it's everything is like right that you could just do that yeah there's no and, real police. There's no real firefighters. There's no real politicians. It's, it's all. It's it's like the country trying to figure that out. I mean, I'd love for I'd love for you guys to tell me what works about the Cameron Diaz storyline. Take whether or not you think she's good in it or miscast or whatever. But like, it's just another piece that seems unnecessary. Why did I mean, why? It, why the relationship is, this is between where the her movie and Leo? Went wrong is like it's because this movie tried to piece together the Bill the Butcher and Amsterdam connection. And obviously she is in between that. And that was trying to be the focal point of sort of the human interaction between the two. I guess. But does Bill the Butcher po- even like her? Point, he doesn't care. But my, yeah, that's my point. My point is this is such a crazy, insane time in our history whether true or not, how it's portrayed, that it's hard to have that uh, connection or empathy for any character because you just don't really understand how they live their lives or where they are, who they are, and how this works. So... Chapin's nodding, no. Well, Chapin, do you have a... Well, I, I, I just think that yeah because because no I agree with you Jeremy I think I think that's what Scorsese is so good at in like Casino and and Goodfellas and <clears throat> The Departed and I mean maybe not The Departed but like you know he puts you in this world he immerses you in this world and you I mean like to me the Goodfellas voiceover so good probably the best voiceover in any movie I've ever seen this, the voiceover in this movie is horrible and completely unnecessary. But it, the reason it works in Goodfellas is it makes you understand like the way people talk. And like, you know, it does provide some sort of, I don't know, scene setting stuff. But like, it just immerses you in that world in such a way. And, and you know, he's got all the sets. He's got the good camera work. He's got all the money he needs. And this movie doesn't do that. It feels very staged. Everything feels very staged. Everything feels like a set. Um, and, but I just like the biggest problem is that it's unfocused and like, um, they don't, he, and I mean, you know, we always have cited and praised his collaboration with Thelma Schoonmaker, who is his editor, longtime editor, edited nearly all of his films, but this is not a well edited movie at all. This is not a, this is not a cohesive movie. I mean, there might be some ideas. Like, I feel like, you know, there were a bunch of, you know, I I guess they were working on this for 20 years. There's a bunch of ideas thrown around and like, you know, somebody threw them down on a piece of paper. They typed them up and then came up with a screenplay and they made the first draft or something. I, I Or it feels like they, uh, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of cut, cut out of this movie. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. It seems like a lot is, not only is there a lot cut out, but there was a lot of things done that seemed like, I don't know, he was forced to get the runtime down because kind of what you said, Chapin, about like you have one scene and then it cuts to another and then back to the other, which have nothing to do with it. The one that came to mind for me, and I forget what the second part of it was, but it's like Daniel Day-Lewis meeting with Jim Broadbent and talking about something. Then we cut to Leo's storyline about something else going on and then back to Brent. And the two things have nothing to do with each other. Right. Felt like they should be two entirely separate scenes. Right. Why do they do that? But instead they they're that, cut they, together. They do, that, they do that many, many times in that first Right. Half. And that feels like a, like, let's, let's trim this for time. And again, and then it becomes even more disjointed and more unfocused and... It's I see the things that the re, the reasons I should say that I liked this more this time around is because the the bloatedness and the like overpriced aspect of it I, I, I actually didn't find as bad like I actually was like really I mean, impressed I, with the sets I and like love the sets like some <laughs> of the movie, shots I are like just, there's this one shot I was where blown away by it's it. like a low angle. On Daniel Day Lewis looking up at this big auditorium, and it's just like a amazing shot, and it's another example of him just like absolutely demanding the screen. But I I really liked that stuff this time. Like it didn't look, I mean, it, you know, it looks like a set, but it didn't look as like phony as I kind of had built it in my head. And I, I, I think he like I think some of the like that opening battle scene is really kind of stylistic and interesting. And, you know, I, mean, I just think, like, there's a lot of really good things done here that I don't think I ever really gave this movie credit for. And All right, so... <clears throat> despite not knowing what to focus on, like, I was engaged with it. I was, too. It, it's not a boring movie. That's for sure. No. And let's talk about... Uh, well, I guess Jeep thinks it's a little boring. But let's talk about Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis' performance. I mean, this is before Daniel Plain, Plainview. So yeah. we've never seen him do this sort of. Uh, I mean, not. How would you I don't describe think he's ever, dark? I, well, I don't know if he's ever been this big. So, yeah. like, obviously, like a lot of his iconic roles, you know, some of the Jim Sheridan movies, the My Left Foot and the Boxer. And he's really good in those, but he's like. More, I want to say a little bit he's more like himself. Like yeah. he's kind of quiet and tame, and and you know he's kind of got a, he's a little like chewing the scenery a bit in Last of the Mohicans and stuff. But I agree. Like this is the first time you see him like scary and like just larger than life. At least that I that I've seen. And, and and I don't think people knew he could do that because he is a very quiet, soft-spoken person. Yeah. And then to do this, it's just like, holy shit, who are you? I mean... It's, it's like, it's one of the first, in my experience, watching an actor, tra like a transformation that, I don't know, like changed what I think acting could be for me. Like, I yeah. think this is one of those quintessential performances if i had to point to like a top five performance where it's not really what like you think of humphrey bogart you're gonna get humphrey bogart no matter how good he is or how bad he is in that role that's what he is like this is like a like a completely different persona for somebody 
Um, and I think it's, I mean, would you guys put a top, top, would you rank this? Is this a rankable performance? Yes, for sure. I think what's yeah. really, and I, I, so. I hate to admit it because I sort of think method acting is silly, but like, I just feel like everything he does is so authentic in that character. Like there's never a moment when you see him acting and there's moments when you see Leo acting. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moments like that, but he's just so immersed in that character that every time you look at him, he is Bill the butcher. And there, it's not, there's no kind of artifice there. It's just like fully immersed in this character. And you know, like there's stories about him talking, um, in the Bill the Butcher accent the whole time and ridiculous things about him. But so I, uh, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I don't know what would be more difficult to like deal with that or like seeing him break character into like actual Daniel Day Lewis when the camera cuts and just is like this soft spoken, nice guy to everybody. Wouldn't that just he, like but, totally throw oh, everybody yeah, off? So that's true. And I, I remember seeing this picture of behind a, a behind the scenes picture of Daniel Day Lewis and, and Leo, you know, sitting, you know, taking a break from that last battle scene. They were both covered and oh, stuff. Oh, you told me. About and this, Leo yeah. is sitting in kind of like a typical director's chair kind of thing. Yeah. A Foley director's chair. And he's sitting on this like wooded stool. <laughs> like even in rest, he, <laughs> he wouldn't. He can't even yeah. sit down. Do you, that, yeah. do you, uh, you, you want to hear a little Daniel Day Lewis story Absolutely. here? So when they did. Um, Oh my God, blanking. Uh, what's the uh, the Salem story there? The oh, the Crucible. Crucible. Thank you. Here he built one of the houses, so he had to become part of my union, local four eighty one. <laughs> and he's still to this. He paid his dues since then, and he's still to this day part <laughs> of a local four eighty one. He gets calls if he wants to be a construction worker <laughs> on any of our local movies. <laughs> oh man, that's That'd be so funny. amazing! If he showed up yeah, to do it, he's one just day. like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. So. One of our categories is best acting moment. We, I think, we know the best performance. Do you guys have a moment or a scene that you particularly love with him? I think I, I think I like that scene when he's kind of attacking, when he's throwing the knives at Leo, like that at that, Leo. Yeah. Well, well or he's, at, uh, he's, Cameron Diaz. But doesn't that flow into the same scene? He's he's throwing it, and then that's when he's assassinated or the attempted assassination. Attempt- yeah. Yes. Okay. I so this is small and he does it a couple of times but I love it. I love his scream when he's like he, when he gets shot he's just like ah! and it's like yeah, so I, intense I and That's, angry. I love that moment too, yeah. And he does it a couple of times and I'm like, "Oh my god, this guy is scary." Um guys, I have a little bit of trivia for it, for you. Do you know what this okay. movie has a connection to the movie we reviewed last week? Uh, what did we review last week? Blonde. Blonde. What is the connection uh-huh. between the two? Uh, I don't. Well, tell us. Arthur Miller is Daniel Day Lewis's father-in-law. No. No shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Um, another piece of trivia. Actually, just released today. Uh, Martin Scorsese is doing a Gangs in New York TV show. 
TV series. Okay. I mean, honestly, this, this could be a better TV series if I, they I really... Think so. I think so. I mean, maybe it'd be actually about the gangs this time. I mean, I hope so. I hope that's what it's about. It's going to be hard to, like, get into the groove of that without Bill the Butcher. I hope there's no Bill the Butcher character. Cause you well, know, there has to be somebody, be right? Because he was based on a, a real person. Um, I mean, that's really, really interesting. He's going to direct that could that could give us everything. He's going to direct the whole series or just episode one? I don't know. The pilot, but that could know. give us what we are, what we feel like is missing from this movie. I mean, you have you guys have to admit it's such a fascinating story. Absolutely, and, fascinating and the world. Time. I, 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 I hundred percent agree, but I wish that I wish it was more. The movie, like exactly, just... they build this world. It's an incredible world, and those scenes, like where they just sit there and focus on the story, where like like those scenes in the the Chinese the the whatever that is the theater or the the opium den. Yeah, like, yeah, that stuff is great. Like they've built this world. He knows how to shoot that, so it doesn't seem like showing off. But then they're like, here's a. You know, holding Charlie's going to war. You know, and then that shot. You know, where it's they're totally showing off. I know, like, but like, it's I, I get that. Like, are you, you talking wanted... about when they show the guys getting off the boat, then yeah. becoming citizens, yeah. registering I... for the draft, and back <clears throat> on the boat? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But I also like that they're incorporating like the civil war into it because it's right. A huge but, part but do you of it feel like, like it's all at all that... cohesive? It just feels like it just does not. No, so it right from the get, anything. right from the get go. I have right after that opening scene, when Leo comes back, when Leo is first in the movie, I had I just had no idea what I w- like. I'm like scrambling to write stuff down. I'm like, okay, remember this, remember this. Why- see how this plays into it because I know I'd seen it all before, and I knew that it was like there was things. There was this movie was packed full of information and like historical, you know instances and historical time like uh historical events and things like that and i'm just being like okay remember this remember this remember what so what do you guys do you guys think if jim broadbent if, is saying if he uh narrowed down his focus in this movie it would be more interesting of oh, absolutely uh, absolutely i mean well, I yes think... but also on one hand on, and you could make the argument that broadening it a little bit would help how do you like, broaden it more than this you incorporate you bring in all these gangs you learn more about these gangs you learn about like like there's all this stuff about pt barnum in this movie like that's a familiar thing to everybody like what is the story with that how is that involved like give us the bigger picture get rid of the like you know leo becoming loyal to you can keep the revenge tale like that can be the leo's revenge driving us through and like navigating us through this world and learning more about all these gangs and these people but give us a bigger picture of that instead of you know, bouncing back and forth between two just totally unrelated was, stories. I think Scorsese had a little bit of a hard on for the history because Definitely. for sure part of it was just like the, like even the small minute details of like the elephant running through. Although I did that probably my favorite scene is when they were about to do that last battle and the civil war gets involved. And I like that. And I because love that's the that. first time that the two stories that are being told actually ended up having anything to do with each other. They like they they set up this challenge that the one fa- storyline has my been going favorite, towards. That's my favorite mo- like scene of the movie when they're about to do the battle, civil war gets involved. All these New Yorkers die because of this riot. Like that, that whole thing is 
is amazing, I think. Yeah, and then you have this weird moment between Daniel Day-Lewis and Leo when he kills him. It's like they're just well, kind of looking at each other. and Yeah, like, because he knows it's a kill. That was the moment because he shows know, him what a kill is. I know, I get it. Come on, learn how to interpret movies, Lee. Yeah. Um, hell, I'm assuming guy. we'd all want to have a drink with Bill. I'd be too too afraid. Cut my hand you off. You had the you s- had the same problem with City of God. You didn't want to have a drink with with Bill. No, I'll drink with Leo. I'd rather. Oh my God! But Amsterdam's so boring. Put you to sleep. It's fine. I won't get I won't get stabbed in the the hand if I. Yeah, do you'll just get wrong. betrayed and stabbed in the back. By Amsterdam. No, you're, you're, yeah, you're just having a drink. You're just sitting down. At the card table, you're going to yeah. listen to him kind Did of pontificate. Did you see that scene at the card table well, where we're they were cheating. playing cards? We're not cheating, so. I, uh, for sure, am drinking with, with Bill the Butcher. Yeah, me too. Also, I'm a fucking native, so. Are you? Well, I'm Irish, but I've been here, you know, my family's been here long enough, so. I mean, Bill's not a fucking native either. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, Cherokee. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, more um, categories. Take us through. All right, well, Jeremy's hosting. He should be ready for this, but oh, he should, mm. yeah. I'm sure he's not. I got a question for you guys. What, I, was, I was trying to look it up, and I, that's how I stumbled on the <clears throat> Gangs TV series. What do you think Scorsese thinks of this movie? Uh, I think it's important to him. Now, I don't know how much... Like, the, I, that's always a good question. Like, do, how do, do directors like think like that? About their work? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, <clears throat> I know Harvey Weinstein was involved in this movie a lot and, like, demanded it be cut down to a reasonable length. Um, yeah, and hence it got, and then it got 10 Oscar nominations. Yeah, and won none. Um, so, I, it, I just, I think that this movie sets off the aughts. I mean, it, it does set off the aughts for Scorsese, but a pattern where he makes a movie. And it's sort of, I mean, it's, it, it mirrors the Irishman almost exactly, but I think there's other examples in between where he makes this movie that is big and loud and looks like it's going to win a lot of awards like the Irishman. And it comes and it doesn't, it kind of is shut out and doesn't win anything. And that's just kind of the way the next 20 years goes for him, except for The Departed, which was you know sort of a fluke i don't know it's just a, that's sort of a weird if you, a makeup oscar yeah something like that but you know wait wait what are you saying in a way i feel like lee you don't like the departed no Me? i love i love the departed i'm saying yeah, but i think like it, makeup oscar i mean it's made you, makeup it is oscar. a makeup oscar if you look it is but it's a great movie unlike you know? yeah but like he chapin is saying that after Hello? gangs in new york on you know he made all these movies with a bunch of nominations but no wins and except for Shutter Island, which won, but that was a makeup win for him. Like, no, not Shutter right. Island. Uh, sorry. The departed. The, the I was, departed. I was reading Shutter Island. Yeah. The departed. Right. And so, and so like, I guess my point is that these movies all with the exception of the departed, all sort of underperform. They sort of, they are hyped. Like they're these, like the Irishman. I mean, everybody thought that movie, like when it first came out, it was like the greatest thing ever since sliced bread and then you know people <laughs> see it and you know the aviator is another example of that and 
Yeah, they're not really rewatchable movies. Where the Irishman the Departed, has a ninety-four the Departed is on very, Metacritic. very rewatchable. Right, and and to the average consumer, but also to us, I think, and and. You know, Jeremy, you you said this a long time ago, but it does, you know, and now that fucking Apple movie's coming out, which I mean, I hope is great. It's got a great cast and uh what's it called? Osage County or whatever. Killers of a Flower Moon. Killers of a Flower it's a Moon. Good, it's a good book. And but you know, 250 million dollar movie or something, right, Jeremy? And mm-hmm. you know, like why can't he does all this stuff bog him down? Does it, does it, I mean, does it get yeah. like, like I've, I've said it for years. There's something Scorsese about with less money is more interesting than Scorsese with more. Money. And certainly silence was like $40 million. But if you think about the departed, right? Like with all the money they're paying for the cast and Scorsese there, like that's a lot of money going to just going to like going to the cast. And you, he may have had to have been pretty kind of limber on that movie to get things done the way he wanted to. You know, it's not like the same type of money you have for this or for... Right. I don't know. Right. All right, Jeremy, any other thought? I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but I'll head over to your location corner here. Um. Oh, my God. Uh, location corner is just building, so I don't really stress out about it. It's just even the docks, I could kind of tell we're on a set, like the docks part of it, which would have stressed me out. Um, I think it's. I mean, this, this entire movie, uh, entire movie was filmed on a stage, basically. Yeah, so like that, your job's like, easy in Rome. Exactly, and it and it looked and it looked like it. Um. All right. Uh, Chapin, what are you grumpy about today? Oh, I had so many technical issues today. That's what you were grumpy about last week. Oh, okay. Not I with mean, you not can still be grumpy again. Not with, I guess. not with the podcast, but with my non-linear editing system. Oh, what's going on with your non-linear editing system? Oh, just just everything's fucked up. Um, yeah, I believe Ridley got up really early and was up late last night. She she usually sleeps through the night, but last night she got up a lot. And so was it, having Ridley's tears. fault that the there's issues with the no, non-linear. No, no, I this is new thing. New thing. New thing. You're just moving on. So I'm irritated okay. and I'm tired, um, and I have to yeah. work tomorrow morning, and not happy Why? about that. Gotta go film something. Mm. Is smelling I mean, that cigar o- o- over and over again helping at all? A little bit. Only fans never sleeps. Correct. Yes. Um, people love pictures of my nasty toes. Um, so back to Gangs of New York. Do you guys have a, a, a uh, most cinematically satisfying moment? The most cinematic jerk off oh, yeah. moment I, of the movie? It was For me, it was when, during the battle. When that when they fired the cannon and the Civil War got involved and it was just it became a bigger issue than the the gangs of New York. I love I love that moment. I like right at the beginning, honestly, from when Brendan Gleeson kicks the door open, you go out into oh, that yeah, snow covered nice spot, too. and then that shot of Daniel Day Lewis walking up, hands up, and then you get on oh, my challenge, and just the first time he speaks. Yeah, it's a oh, actually, what is it? It's not even the first time you see. So, what's what's the matter, priest? <laughs> um, what does he say? So that's he says like, what's the matter, priest? Like you only could bring together like yeah. a bunch of hoodlums or whatever. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty 
pretty satisfying. I, I had I had it out during that moment. Your penis, especially when you know it's coming. Yeah. Well, cinematically well, that, satisfying moment really is just cinematic jerk off moment. That that door kick by Brandon Gleason. Oh, it's so good. I, I like. And I yeah. like. What I found funny about it is he kicked the door and the priest ducks in and then they open the other two doors so everybody else can get out, <laughs> which they should have just done at the beginning. Um. Any. Can any. I, can, uh, I, can I? May I answer? Well, I've just assumed you agreed with me, but go on. Well, I do. I, it's the, it's the, but it's the, I just remember sitting in the theater and that the, the, the getting everybody ready and the, the drums. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I love that. And I just remember sitting there in the theater and be like, oh, this is going to be so great. <laughs> but uh, cut, cut to three hours later. Uh, it's, just, it's just like asleep with his hand in his popcorn. And, uh, I also was not crazy about how every time you saw one of the characters from that uh, from that opening montage that you had to like flashback yeah, to, to it. Yeah, you had to flashback. Like yeah, we're not like so we're not going to remember John C. Riley's yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the woman who has like fake has like razor blades in her mouth and, and yeah, that's Kara Seymour. Yeah. She's got she had a pretty good two thousand two. Yeah. Um, um. And okay, go ahead, Lee. Jesus. Well. Well, you asked me about the fucking categories, so I'm okay. reading the categories. Okay. God, Jesus. Um, I like how that uh, I like how that shirt fits though. Mine, it's a good looking shirt. Don't 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 take it off like this. I can already see that you have been. You know how this shirt Tyson gave me this shirt like eight years ago. Okay. Okay. Why did Tyson give you that shirt? Because he came to visit and stayed with us in Natick. Yeah, but why did he give you a shirt? Because it's, it's a weird thing to give someone. Well, it's yeah. got like the um. Oh yeah, on. yeah. Like, I thought he just gave you shit. It's like it's I just like I, Chapin. What what qualifies you to be <laughs> our like collar. fashion consigliere? Like, it's not stretched out. I, what? Who gives a shit? It's my fucking t-shirt with stains all over Why it. Why are you so bad? Why are you so bad? I sleep in it. Why are you so bad? <laughs> that's what I'm grumpy about. <laughs> that's not your segment, Lee. Right, mine's the spreadsheet. I, a couple couple movies added, nothing too significant, but there there's a big there was a big add to the spreadsheet this week, guys. Should we share this news? Because I added the date of the Fixies, the official date of the Fixies oh, to yeah, the spreadsheet, yeah. which is now 161 days away. It's a little later than usual, um, just some logistical reasons for that. Post Oscars, um, right? It is. It's uh, the Fixies will be recorded on March 24th. About a month later than we did last year, um, we're going to need everybody's help to keep the excitement going through that. The hardest thing about it being post Oscars is like the three of us aren't going to really be able to talk about the Oscars without revealing our our own nominations. But we'll we'll be able to do that. Yeah, we can figure. Um, it out. But it the 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 best part of it being late is it gives us um, considerably more time to make sure we see as much as possible. So. Um, Spreadsheet is continuously being updated with metascores, release dates, uh, must-sees, award nominees, so on and so forth, streaming platforms. Um, but in 161 days in New Orleans, we will be recording the 8th Annual Fixies. Um, I will be buying my ticket this weekend. I got to do that, too. Um, anything else, guys? We Chapin gave us some um, some information that he looked up. With Daniel Day Lewis's relation to Arthur Miller and the uh, 
forthcoming Good. Gangs of New York series. Nice Googling, Chapin. Good job Googling. Thanks. Um, I mean, best design moment is one of these categories that doesn't always come up. I mean, I don't know if there's a specific moment. I like the like, Chinese there, stuff. I liked that theater too. Yeah. Um, I like there was a moment where, I don't know why I always remember it. It's like Cameron Diaz's introduction in this movie where they like go through like the the town and then go through this like broken glass i don't know why it's it the scene like where a, the scene where scorsese makes his cameo no it's just a walk is she's walking down the street for some reason that always stuck out to me i really didn't like all the cameron diaz stuff but it wasn't her fault. She wasn't bad in this. I don't. Aren't I mean, she, sure, but she's not yeah. good. Well, I, I don't think she's I, bad. I, I thought she was. A, she I don't impressed think anyone could have been any better. I think lots of people could have been better. Hmm. Um, all right. Who's who? I'm. I'm Bill. Called it. Can't just call you it. Can't call. That's not how that's, it works. You called that's Kennedy that. last week. All oh, right, guys. I'm Kennedy. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so we got we've got Bill the Butcher, we've got Amsterdam, Amsterdam Valen, and who is the third person here? Jim Broadbent, Jim, Boss Tweed, Gleason. No, no, I would say uh, John C. Riley. What's his name? E. T. Henry Thomas. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, I, if I'm Henry Thomas, I'm fucking quitting this podcast. Yeah, who's the the weak rat. I mean, this is, I don't know. This, these are tough. I don't know that any of us fit the bill for any, which is why I think that like just I should just be Bill. Yeah, sometimes on these these bigger, bigger films, it's hard to narrow it down. Yeah, but we still have to do it, so we're not getting out of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I don't think Henry Thomas is a good one to do. Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, that's. I just said that. Okay. I mean, I'd love to be him. Okay. Well, but I'm not I don't know. Amsterdam Valen. I'd be Amsterdam. I'll take All right, it. let's let's find let's find the let's find the connection between Jeremy and Amsterdam here and see if it can work. Yeah. Um, good with knives. You guys don't know that about me. Really good. With okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, good you're, at. You're good not. At I, you're not Irish. Good at betting prostitutes. You're missing the Irish piece that Jamie uh, yeah. and I have. Well, do you want to be Amsterdam? I'm just trying to find the right fit. It's not about what we want. Yeah. Well, I'm, that, that's what you just said. Not Irish, so I can't be him. Great. Uh, okay. I know Chapin wants to be Bill the Butcher. I mean, of the three of us, I can see him being the most likely butcher. Mm. You know, as much as I hate to admit it. Um, I'm 47. 47 years old. You know how I stayed alive this long? So that younger? speech, which uh, you know is obviously like the yeah. the the Oscar highlight reel clip, was the spectacle of fearsome acts. less less interesting than from me. I remember. Like I liked everything else from him more than that scene. He offends me. I don't know what that accent is. I don't like. A... No, it's cool though. Cut off his head. Fear. That's that's one of my favorite moments. Is when he goes. Just sort of like waving the knife around. <laughs> I'll lop your All head right. off of. Chapin, congratulations. You're Bill the Butcher. Yes. Great. Um, 
So that makes me Amsterdam, makes you Cameron Diaz. <laughs> no, I'm going to be... I, I think if we're going to go with the Irish angle... Yeah. Then Brendan Gleeson is more Irish than Amsterdam. I mean, he's the most... Yeah, he's actually Irish. So am I like... He's real Irish. Am I like a, a, a badass that would be picked out to be a politician? Well, I think, you know, Lee, I think... You have, I see a scenario where Jeremy and I are like all revved up and hyped up about doing something. And in order for us to get you to do it, we have to pay you like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're, you're like, I'm not going to do this unless there's something in it for me. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll give you, um, for, for every spreadsheet you make, we'll give you a hundred dollars. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. Fair. I like, I like how we worked this out. And then you're so kind of and you're kind of watching us, and and then you you know, and then every once in a while you give us a sage piece of advice. Yeah, like, oh, I just keep good. I keep my eye on you guys. I make my judgments. <laughs> All right, so Jeremy, my you, challenge, get, you get the ancient you get to laws be... of combat. We have met at this chosen ground to settle for Gunnar, who holds over the five points. Hostiles, terrible, born accent. right in this foreign land. Do we want to reconsider? <laughs> yeah, you, Lee, you were doing a good one. You should do it. Uh, I gotta find the quote now. Then, all right, I'll, s- I'll send it to you. <clears throat> Let's see quotes. I got. I'll send it to you, Lee. Jesus, I got it right here. I'm on IMDb. Okay. At my challenge, by the ancient laws of combat, we have met oh. at this chosen ground. You have to do that that roll. This chosen this ground. chosen ground to settle for good and all. Who holds sway over the five points? Us natives, born right wise. That's it. That's the key. Much more yelling. Or the foreign hordes defiling it. I'm I'm very impressed with the uh, uh, that performance. I'm even more. Prof- impressed with the performance after that <laughs> it's like the, somebody was able to just do it so much better yeah. than that um all right so let's let's get down to business here guys cinema sequence jeremy you hosted so kick us off there's plenty of meat on the bone here there it, that is true oh gosh. who should i go with that's gonna be a little bit more difficult um uh, all right, I'll, I'll make it not terribly difficult, but I'll I'll go with Brendan Gleeson. Uh, that to me or Chapin? To Chapin. I'm gonna go with Troy. Uh, Eric Bana. I'm gonna go Black Hawk Down. Oh, that's a tough one. Okay. Oh wow. How, who are you gonna pick? Ah. <laughs> uh... I mean, you are taking way too much time. Uh, all right, um, let's uh, let's go with Orlando Bloom, the most memorable performance of that movie. <laughs> um, let's do Kingdom of Heaven. I'll go Edward Norton. Twenty fifth hour. I've been thinking a lot about him lately, so Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ah, uh, Big Lebowski. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Tara Reid. Uh, 
Ooh, now we're getting somewhere. Oh, I can't remember the name of this movie. I was going to definitely stump Jeremy with, but I'll have to go with uh, Van Wilder. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. R.I.P.D. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, Jerry. Oh, to me, Jeff yeah. Bridges. It's uh, yes. Jeff. It's Jeff Bridges, Jeremy. That's pretty good. Uh, That's much better than your Daniel Day Lewis. Wait, is that really good? <laughs> that was pretty good, Jeff Bridges. Uh, Stop stalling, Jeremy. It's Jeff Bridges. Okay, it. yeah, okay, yeah. Man. okay, True Grit. True Grit. I'll do True Grit. Haley Steinfeld. Ooh, that's yeah. a that's a tough one actually. Pitch Perfect too. Oh, I will do um, Pitch Perfect two, huh? Uh, that's uh, the tough one. Think about the director. Two, one. Uh, Time's up. Uh, really? Yeah, you have plenty of time. Name. You clearly don't have it. Yeah, I forget. I forget her name. Chapin. Brittany Snow. That oh, one? X. Huh? X. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Mia. Mia! <laughs> What's her name? Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, Mia Wajakasa. No, Three, it's, uh, Mia, two, Mia. One. Mia no eyebrows. Does he have it, Jeremy? Yeah, Anna Kendrick. Come on. Mia Goth. Anna Kendrick is not... Oh, I get, I get what's happening. He's going back to Pitch Perfect. <laughs> Mia Goth. I'm just upset I won! About... I'm on the board. Good job, Lee. I like how Lee, like, uh, somehow is the one who decided the countdown because he hasn't won one of these yet. He's like, oh, well, three, two, one! Three, want? two, one! Three, two, one! How long do you guys want? Jeremy, you how did you? There's so many. I should have got Anna Kendrick. I I, I, yeah. I can't believe I did it. Hey, Pretty snow. Um, Here's the thing, I don't give a tumpany fuck about your moral conundrum, you meat-headed shit sack. That's more or less the thing. And I want you to go out there, you, nobody else, none of your little minions. I want you to go out there, and I want you to punish the person who's responsible for murdering this poor little rabbit. Is that understood? It's pretty good. Is that understood, priest? What she daisy? All right, she that's gonna knife? wrap it up I'm for this, this, this wildly uh, impressionistic edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Um, what are we doing next, guys? What's what's happening? Um, it's a good question. So uh, we're going to have to get going here on 2022. Um, got a, we got a lot to see. Good thing so, we have an extra month, though. Guys, it's it's very likely going to be released next Friday, October 21st, in theaters from the one and only Martin McDonough, <gasps> The Banshees of Inisherin. I don't know for sure that this is released wide. We're going to have to double check and make sure that we can see it. But that is first on the list, if possible. Speaking of Brennan Gleason, yeah. Cannot fucking. A 90 wait. on Metacritic. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So 
Really excited about that. Hopefully that's Shame next. Really if not, we've got plenty of other options. So. Need that bill. All right, boys. That's gonna do it. This is the liver, the kidneys, the heart. This is a wound. The stomach will bleed and bleed. This is a kill. This is a kill. In artery, this is a kill. You try. 